message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I want this morning to uh, look at the subject of healing. And it's uh, a subject we looked at uh, a few months ago, in fact, back in February. Uh, I sort of looked at the first half of this message. Since then, uh, we've looked at it again as David Dominey uh, was with us recently. And that was a great morning as he uh, shared some testimonies uh, of things that he's seen recently and been involved in in terms of healing. And then next week, our guest service, our front edge guest service, uh, again, we're going to be going uh, for healing and praying for the sick. And we've invited people very particular, particularly saying, come and find out more about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're sick, we want to pray for you. That's how we've built it for next Sunday. Uh, and so I want this morning to, uh, again, if you like, help prepare us for next week, but also finish off uh, the subject we started a few months ago in terms of looking at healing and uh, finish off some things when it comes to that. Last time, uh, you may remember, if you are with us, we looked at a biblical basis for healing. We looked at why Jesus healed, what he did, healing in the New Testament. Uh, and what we didn't look at particularly was the role of faith. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at the role of faith. So if you want a title for this morning, it might be Healing. The touch of faith, or healing, the role of faith, something like that. I want to look at faith, and then I want to look at briefly how we pray for the sick. Because many of you, next Sunday, may well be involved in praying for people who are sick, who are unwell, ill. And I want to give us some guidelines and help in terms of how we do that. Okay, so that's what we're going to do this morning. That's what we're going for. Uh, so why don't we pray and ask God to be with us and help us as we look at these things and uh, we'll see how we go. Father, we do thank you for your presence amongst us. Thank you for the sense of you being with us uh, as we worshipped you earlier. Thank you that you received the praises of your people. And uh, we pray now, Holy Spirit, you would continue with us. Help us to understand this book, uh, your word, dear Lord, as we look at it together. Help us to hear what you have for us this morning. And continue to speak to us, we pray, please, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Okay, well, if you've read the New Testament, if you've read this book, as I'm sure many of you have, then you can't fail to notice that in the Bible, people often got healed. Particularly in the Gospels, we see lots of accounts in the book of Acts as well. We see that Jesus was healing people everywhere. And we looked at uh, this last time, we, as I'd been going through the Gospels, some of them looking at occasions of Jesus healing, I found it to be a very encouraging exercise. And last time we asked the questions, why did Jesus heal? And we looked at the, his compassion, we looked at the fact it demonstrated God's love, we looked at the fact it demonstrated God's power and we looked at the fact of it demonstrating the kingdom of God breaking in as well. But this morning I want to look at the role of faith. And uh, as I was out this morning and uh, I, I was praying and just thinking about this morning, um, I, was, I felt led to look at uh, a passage in the book of Acts, which we're not going to look at now, uh, but you may know the story in Acts chapter 3 where 
Peter and John uh, bring healing to a guy that's been crippled and who can't walk. And uh, as I read it, God reminded me uh, that that was the passage that I preached my very first sermon on. Way back in the midst of time when I was something like 18, so it's a couple of so years ago now, and uh, Charlotte, no laughing. So back when I was 18, or thereabouts, I think, it was um, like the first preach that I ever did was on that passage in Acts 3. And um, as, as I was reading it this morning, I hadn't realised that. I hadn't thought about it for a long time. And I realised that way back then, back in 19-something or other, that even at that stage, God, I think, was putting something in me putting in me a desire to see healing. And it's interesting because at the time uh, I would have been part of a church that probably wasn't seeing lots of people healed, probably wasn't high on our agenda even. But it seems even our very first preach, God was stirring something in me in terms of healing. And uh, I felt so excited about that this morning because I feel that it's something that God wants us to grow in and grow in together. Learn to, uh, to you know, receive the presence of the Holy Spirit as we were uh, doing during our worship time earlier. But I think this is something that God wants us to grow in. And part of the way of growing in healing is to do, in a, is to do with faith. And that's what we want to look at just for a few minutes this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, maybe you want to turn please to Mark chapter 5. And Mark chapter 5 verse 22. We're going to read a few verses together. And this account in Mark 5, because it gives us, a, uh, gives us a story, gives us an account of two particular individuals who were people of faith. And it's two accounts of touches that bring healing. And the two individuals concerned are at the very extremes of Jewish society. So let's read the passage together. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. We'll start 21, in fact. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, came. Your daughter is dead, they said. 
why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Whoa, there's commotion and wailing. The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told, her to, told them to give her something to eat. It's a great account there, isn't it, of two people of faith. So we've got Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and he's you know, quite in quite a responsible position in society. Uh, he was not the sort of man to uh, typically throw himself at people's feet. He would have been right at the top of Jewish society, a layman who was responsible for various things in the synagogue. But even though he was the sort of the epitome of respectability, he was desperate. He was desperate. He was desperate to see his little girl healed. And Jairus isn't interested really in what other people think. He just wants to see his little girl made well. And he shows great faith in Jesus because he comes to Jesus and says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. So she isn't saying to Jesus, look, if you can just maybe spare the time, perhaps you might see a bit of an improvement. Maybe things will be a bit better. He knows that if Jesus comes, she'll be made well. And he's confident. She's got faith in it. There's a certainty in his request. Now he'd probably seen Jesus healed before maybe. Maybe he'd heard about Jesus' reputation. So, so Jairus comes to Jesus with a level of faith, a level of expectation that Jesus can make her well. So fortunately for Jairus, I guess he's thrilled, Jesus agrees to come to his house. Result. He thinks, okay, things are going to be fine now. Jesus is coming. Everything's going to be all right. And so just as Jesus starts on the journey to his house, the account's interrupted by this woman who appears on the scene. And uh, we, we see that, so not so exactly what her condition is, but many have conjectured, and it's fair to say that her condition would have made her ceremonially unclean for the Jews, so she shouldn't even have been around other people. But again, here was someone who knew that if she could just come to Jesus, then again she would be healed as well. Twelve years we're told that she's had this problem. I mean, think back what you were doing twelve years ago. Think where you were maybe twelve years ago. Well, in all that time, since then, this woman's been suffering. Now Mark tells us that um, she spent everything she had on doctors. All her money's gone. She's tried every possible cure. I mean, every possible thing you can try, she's done it, and more. I mean, various commentaries give us some ideas what some of the treatments may have been. One remedy apparently consisted of drinking a goblet of wine, well, that sounds fine, containing, this doesn't sound so good, powder compounded from rubber, 
alum, and garden crocuses. Okay, anybody tried that? Another treatment consisted of a dose of Persian onions cooked in wine and administered with a summons, arise out of your flow of blood. But that hadn't worked either. Other physicians prescribed sudden shock, though presumably not electric shock, or the carrying of an ostrich's egg. She's done all this. I mean, she is an expert in eggs laid by ostriches. She knows how to cook different things in wine and, and sort of, you know, say different things, but nothing has, has solved her problem. Nothing has healed her. None of these things have been effective. But she knows now, she comes to Jesus, she can be healed. If she could just touch his cloak, she knows that things will change. Maybe it was a bit of a misunderstanding about you know, what she might have thought his cloak had some magical properties or something. Yet, maybe even unbeknown to her, she's reaching out to God. Because God responds to untheological prayers from unsaved people. Let me say that again. God responds to untheological prayers from unsaved people. What that means is, even if you haven't got everything that you believe completely tied down, even if you've still got questions, even if you're not sure of all the answers still, God still hears. Now think about it. If you're a Christian here this morning, when you first responded to God working in your life, you probably didn't have all the answers. You may not have all the answers now. But God still hears you. He still responds to you. So she hadn't got all her theology straight. She hadn't been to an Alpha course. She hadn't seen Nicky Gumbel on video. She hadn't read the, you know, the, uh, the ten uh, easy steps of uh, you know, understanding what it is to be a Christian. She hadn't got everything straightened out by the disciples. But she thought, if I just come to Jesus, things will change. Because she knew that here was someone who could help her. So she pushes through the crowd and she overcomes all the obstacles to being there. She reaches out, and immediately as she reaches out to Jesus' cloak, as she touches him, she's healed. Just as she reaches out, she's healed. And immediately Jesus turns around and says, Who touched me? Who touched me? I mean, it's a crazy question, isn't it? It's like being in a football crowd. Maybe for a successful team. But it's like being in a football crowd with thousands of people. It's like the first day of the next sale at five o'clock in the morning. Have you done that? You know, it's, it's like the next sale. Where, where, where does the crowd begin? You don't turn around and say, who touched me? You're surrounded by people. That's exactly what's going on here with Jesus. Yet he knew that somebody hadn't just brushed past him, but rather somebody had reached out to him with faith with expectation. This touch had an element of faith about it. Here was the touch of the desperate. She knew that Jesus was really her only hope. She'd tried everything else. Every other possible cure that was available to her. And so she identifies herself, probably trembling, probably a bit nervous about what Jesus might say, but Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He loves her. He welcomes her. He put, holds his arms out to her. He teaches her about faith. Doesn't rebuke her lack of understanding, but gently explains to her that it wasn't he's got a magic cloak, but rather 
It was God who healed. So she's healed. Imagine what Jairus is doing at this point. I mean, think about it. Jairus has persuaded Jesus to come to heal his daughter. Now Jesus has stopped. He's dealing with this woman. Jairus is probably looking at the portable sundial on his wrist, thinking, come on, Jesus, you know, my daughter's not well. And yet, you know, come on. And then just in the distance, he sees some servants coming. And he knows who they are. And he knows by the look on their face, they haven't got good news. It's not good. It's not good. The little girl's died. What must have been going on in his mind then? Well, we're not told what his reaction was, but Jesus says to him, not to be afraid, just to believe. Well, the literal translation is to go on believing. Jesus says to him, listen, you believed before, carry on believing. You might think it's got worse. You might think there's no hope. You might think that suddenly, you know, everything's changed. But listen, just go on believing. Carry on having faith like you had before. And so Jesus carries on, takes with him a few of the disciples, gets rid of all the mourners and all the commotion that's going on. He gets rid of unbelief, basically. Everyone that's weeping and wailing and creating a right, you know, noise. He throws them out, gets rid of them, and gets rid of the unbelief. It's important, friends. We need to get rid of unbelief as well. Faith cannot coexist with unbelief. You can't have both at the same time. You might waver between the two, but you can't hold both at the same time. And what does Jesus do? Well, it's quite simple, really. He goes in, tells her to get up, and she does. It's quite straightforward, isn't it, really? But he goes in, there she is, having died. He tells her to get up, she comes back to life. And Jairus' faith, well, I can imagine his faith monitor just going through the roof at that point because he's got his daughter back. So in both Jairus and this woman, we see faith, don't we? Both Jairus' daughter and this woman are healed. And uh, both Jairus and the woman had faith that Jesus could do it. Faith plays a key role. In fact, faith always plays a key role. It seems that every account of healing you read in the New Testament, someone somewhere has got faith for it. Be it the person praying, or be it the person receiving prayer, somebody's got faith that God will act. Jesus responds to faith. In Hebrews 11 it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, faith is essential. Faith is critical. Just to prove the point, in Matthew 13, Jesus sees that a lack of faith affects things as well. So we're told when he goes back to his hometown, um, it says in the end of Matthew 13, verse 58, it says, and he did not do many, many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And Mark puts it even stronger in Mark 6. He says that Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and see them healed. Their lack of faith made a difference. Now think about it for a moment. If Jesus was hindered by a lack of faith, how much more do you think you and I may be hindered by a lack of faith? It says Jesus could not do 
many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So lack of faith is a serious hindrance to us. Once, once there's an occasion in Matthew 17 where the disciples are unable to heal someone, they come to Jesus basically saying, you know, what happens? They come to Jesus in private and ask, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replies, because you have so little faith. Here we go again. And he goes on, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, like we were talking about last week if you are with us, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus tells them their problem is their lack of faith. See, faith is key to moving forward in the Christian life. It's certainly key to moving forward in terms of healing. I was at a, a conference just last week, and um, the speaker there was an uh, American guy, is interesting, someone who's seeing a lot of healings in his local church. And um, he, he was saying how so often we, we couch our lack of faith in sort of seemingly spiritual terms. So he says sometimes we use the phrase, the kingdom of God is now and not yet. Well, we've used that phrase, we believe it, it's true. Theologically it's true. The kingdom of God, God coming. Now we haven't seen all of it yet, there's still more to come. So we've seen part of it. We live a little bit in the middle, there's more coming, and when Jesus comes again, we'll see it come in all its uh, completeness. But what this guy was saying was, whilst that's true, sometimes we will sort of hide behind that as a bit of an excuse. And so when we don't see things happen or don't see people healed, we say, well, the kingdom is now or not yet, that must be the reason. Well, it's true, but what he was saying is, listen, don't use it as an excuse. Well, I sat there feeling very challenged. I think it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we can hide behind these things. He went on and said, Our destination as Christians is heaven, but our assignment as Christians is bringing it in right now, here on earth. And whilst it's true, we've got to hold intention, the kingdom of God is now and not yet, I think there's more of the, we can live in the good of the middle, and sometimes we do. Maybe there's more of the not yet we need to grab hold of and ask God to bring into the now. We might see God break out. You up for that? You up for that? You see, like many things in a Christian life, it's a bit of a tension. We need to hold that intention. But just because our current experience doesn't match the Bible's expectation doesn't mean we give up. Doesn't mean we give up on it. So if faith is critical, you might ask... How do I get more faith? You might ask that, wouldn't you? Good question, Adam. I'm glad you asked that. Well, it's a good question to ask, in fact. And Paul gives us the answer in Romans 10. He says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from, he from hearing the word. So that includes listening to and acting on inspirational preaching hopefully this falls into that category it also includes reading this book God's Word you could probably add in reading good Christian books there are certain preachers I love listening to because I know as I listen to them my faith will be stirred and encouraged what do you do to stir your faith do you get hold of God's Word and read it do you find it stirs your faith 
So we need to be growing in faith, don't we? Faith is a bit like a fire that you've got to stoke and see come to fruition. It's like a muscle you've got to exercise. Some of you, I know, are great fitness fanatics. You might not be able to tell by looking, but some of you, I know, are great fans of the, of the gym. You can tell from me, tell me, can't you? I'm not anymore. Maybe you can tell, that's, that's why. Um, but, you know, some of us spend lots of money on a gym membership. And we're committed to going regularly and, and toning our muscles, aren't we? There is one there, honest. Um, but we're committed to paying money, we go regularly, we, we do all this stuff, get on the bike, get on the rowing machine, lift some weights, you know, uh, swim some lengths. And uh, we're, we're committed to seeing our muscles toned and us growing strength and stamina. And we pay money to do that. We come home exhausted thinking, was that a good idea? But we go back again in a couple of days' time. If we do that to exercise our physical body, or maybe for you it's running or cycling or or something else, what do you do, not just to exercise your physical muscles, but to exercise your faith muscle? How do you do it? What do you do? Because if you don't exercise it, it will just waste away. Some years ago, I had a knee operation, and I had my leg in plaster for a good six or eight weeks. And when the plaster finally came off, my highly toned and athletic leg <laughs> had wasted away to uh, not much more than a sort of twig, because I hadn't used the muscles for so long. And I had to work hard to build the muscles up again. So if you don't use a muscle, it wastes away. Are you using your faith muscle? Or is it wasting away? What are you doing to exercise it? For me, it's making a decision to go for it in terms of healing. To keep saying, come on, let's pray for the sick. Let's ask God. Let's keep pressing into this. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And I, st- I believe God is still in the business of healing people today. And um, you know, we're seeing more people healed around us than we've ever seen before. And we're, we're praying for people who are sick and we're seeing some of them healed. Even uh, amongst us as a church, we've had some great testimonies recently of people being healed. If one or two people had been here this morning, I would have got them up on their feet and they could have told you themselves. But even recently we've seen people healed of different things. God is doing something. It is happening. We want to see more, but I think we've got to keep pressing in, keep asking God, keep trusting him for it. So, if that's the case, before we finish, let's just look really quickly about how we pray for the sick. Now, some of you are going to be involved in this next week, so listen up. This is how I want us to pray for the sick. Let's be clear that it's God who heals. It's him healing. So Jesus doesn't infer that we somehow use our own power, alright? It says God who heals. So how do you pray for the sick? Well, you have compassion, courage, clarity, relationship, authority and faith. And I'll repeat that list in a second so you can write it down. So Jesus had compassion on people. So we need to have compassion on people. Let's make sure that's right at the top of our list. Desiring to see the mercy and love of God come. We need to have courage. It's all very well believing it. It's all very well having compassion on someone. 
But it's actually we need to have some courage sometimes. I said to John Lord on the Jesus, phone this week, I was in a situation us. where uh, I, I'd seen you, someone who was you know, quite sick, and I had a whole load of compassion, and we'll do you good. but it just didn't seem and to be the right opportunity to pray for that he had. Or maybe it was just my lack of having courage. a map on, even knowing the destination. But, but we need both. Rather, it was his confidence. We need to have both. Presence. We've got to have some courage to, to go for it, to step out and say to somebody, "Hey, can so I pray Father, for you?" Father, I want to pray this morning. I'm a Christian. I believe God heals today. Can I pray? I pray you'd give can us a real God boldness. to break into your situation. Give us a real confidence. In we need to have compassion, courage. We need to have clarity too. Let's be clear what we're asking God for when we're praying. We're not just asking that somebody might feel a little bit better. Not praying that God will be with them in their sickness. We're not just praying that you know they might just feel a touch of God in their lives. Lifted up. I want to see many good. come to faith in this That's what we're praying for. We want to be praying so, Father, that people pray will be healed. That you might use us in the process. Just be clear about it. Even Let's ask God for it. You choose to. And so this morning we want to say. Next one I put down was relationship. We want to say, Lord, that we're. And um, David Dominey spoke excellently about this the other week, and I don't want to go over everything he said because he spoke about it so well. But have you thought that everything that Jesus did, we're told he saw his Father doing? There was a relationship there where you could see what God was doing and he went for it. I think the same is true for us as well. We need to be sensitive to what God is doing and get on the back of it. Be asking God, Lord, who are you working in? Who who do you want to heal? Not every sick person in Jesus' time was healed. As far as we can see, and we believe that everyone who came to Jesus was healed, But there were still sick people around. But Jesus saw what his father was doing and got on the back of that. We need to see what God is up to and get in on it. It's why I think words of knowledge are so helpful when it comes to healing. Because we sort of get a bit of a head start. If God says to us, well, somebody here with this condition or that issue then it's, like, it's a bit of a head start. We know God is interested in them to start with and wants to heal. We can get in the back of what God is doing. I think that's where that fits in. So relationship and sensitivity to God's important. Authority. Jesus has given us authority for this. In Matthew 10, we're told that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Well, we're his disciples now, you and I. And he's given us authority. Authority to pray for the sick. Authority to heal the sick in Jesus' name. And then we need faith. We need faith. Faith is not the same as shouting loudly. Sometimes we can think, if I just shout loud enough, maybe then I'll get enough faith. And maybe God will hear. Listen, God's not deaf. He can hear us. We don't just shout loudly. But we do need to have faith. We need to speak with faith, with expectation, expecting God to act. But it's not the same as just shouting loudly, so let's be clear about that. So what do you say, what do you do when you pray for someone? Just before we wrap up. Well, don't rush in. Ask some questions first. It's not a time for counselling, so it's not a loads of questions. If you're praying for somebody, maybe after a meeting, you know, you just ask some questions quickly, you know. Ask them their name if you don't know them their name. If we're praying for people, make sure it's girls praying for girls and guys for guys. Ask them where it hurts. 
might sound really obvious, but it's a good question to ask. Where does it hurt? What's the problem? Ask them how long they've had this condition. Maybe they need to repent first. Find out what happens. Find out how they got this condition. If somebody's coming with a broken foot, for example, you might say to them, well, how did it happen? If they turn around and say to you, well, I was nicking this plasma screen from Curry's and it fell on my foot and broke my ankle, then then probably they need to repent first. Probably take the plasma screen back as well. (laughs) But, you know, let's let's get things in right, right order. Find out what happens. And then when you come to pray, be clear about what you're asking God for. Be clear about it. Speak healing. Speak to the condition. Tell it to be healed in Jesus' name. Command it to go. Take authority in the name of Jesus. Rebuke it. Command it to leave. Speak healing in the name of Jesus. We're not just praying, oh God, would you make me feel a bit better, please? We're saying, no, I want to see people healed. So let's take authority and speak faith. Expect the Holy Spirit to minister to someone. So when you're praying for someone, keep your eyes open so you can watch what God is doing. It's also helpful if they're about to fall over, you can catch them. So keep your eyes open, look at what God is doing. If there's a couple of you praying, this is often helpful. It's good so you can maintain eye contact with each other as well. And One of you may have a word or want to pray and you can see what's going on. So keep your eyes open. Then after a while, ask them what's happening. You know, God isn't offended by us sort of breaking in and saying, what's happening? Is, is God doing something? It's okay to ask the question. It's good to ask the question. And they might say, well, I can feel some heat or some tingling somewhere, or I'm not sure, or yeah, I feel God's doing something. And then follow up. If somebody's saying that, well, actually, I had you know, a problem with my ankle, for example, and I couldn't twist it like that, they'll say to them, well, now we've prayed... Try turning it. See if you can do it. Do what you couldn't do. Find out what's happened. People often don't realise they're healed until they try and do something they couldn't do before. I mean, in Acts 3, where Peter and John healed this guy that is lame, it's not until he gets up on his feet that it's actually he receives his healing. It's not until Peter and John take him up saying, come on, be healed in Jesus' name, and he tries to walk and finds that he can he could have sat there and gone, oh, that's, that's nice. Thank you very much for praying. He wouldn't have known any different. It wasn't until he got up that he found he was healed. So, you know, get people to try and do what they couldn't do. Maybe for some people, they need to go and get tests. They need to go back to a doctor and say, can you test me for this again? And that's fine. Encourage people to do that. But let's be keen to follow up and see what God is doing. So I want to encourage us. As we pray for people, to have compassion, to have courage, to be clear about what we're praying for, to be sensitive to what God's doing already, to have authority and to have faith. Why don't we stand together and we're going to pray as we close. Adam, Matt, can you guys come back? That'd be good. we stand and uh, close our eyes before God for a moment I want us to pray and I'd like us to pray this morning for anyone who's sick it's very well having a message like this but I feel we should put it into practice 
And we could easily say, oh, let's wait until next week. No, no, we're going to wait until now. And uh, we're going to pray in a moment. I want us to, to sing in a second. But there are a couple of, um, as I was praying this morning and during the week, there are a couple of conditions uh, or issues, if you like, I felt God speak to me about. And if this applies to you, I want you to put your hand up, please. So if, this, if this describes you, or if you're ill or sick in this way, I want you to put your hand up. And the, the two things, one was a, an eye condition, where you'd got sort of fuzzy vision, like a sort of a blurred vision. Maybe only out of one of your eyes, um, but I just felt God speak to you about like an eye condition, or sort of blurred vision. Is that anybody? And the other thing was an ear problem or ear pain, like an earache. Maybe an ongoing thing. But I felt God wanted to bring healing to that this morning as well. Is that anybody, an ear condition? Yeah, okay. Anybody for the eye? Okay, can, can I get you to come? Come, we're going to pray for you in a second. Let's do, why don't we sing together? We're going to worship we don't have a load of time now. And if you're uh, sick and got anything else wrong with you, we'll pray for you in just a second, okay? So don't think you've missed out. We haven't. But let's, let's worship God together. Let's sing. And uh, then we'll pray in just a second. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.